Welcome to The Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church. Get it, got it, give it. Here in The Sweat Room, we dive into today's questions about sports and faith. You just don't come back from 35 to 3. It doesn't happen in the NFL. Plus, they're playing really well, and we're, we're stinking it up. Right. So Steve Tasker and I have been talking. We're like, well, hey, we've been to two straight Super Bowls. We've had long seasons. We have had extra, extra preseason games. We played all these playoff games. How about next week we go down to Florida and just hang out and for two or three days, four or five days, and just play a bunch of golf? And just and we had kind of decided we're going to go to Florida that next week and go play golf. And now here's your hosts, Noah and Bjorn. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the 60th episode of The Swire Room. My name is Noah Corston, and alongside my co-host, Bjorn Webb, we are so honored and so blessed to have you today for our episode and sixth week of our Buffalo Bill series featuring Pete Metzelars. If you're not familiar with Pete, he was a part of those legendary Buffalo Bills teams in the 90s with Jim Kelly, Bruce Smith, Steve Tasker, obviously Pete Metzelars, and a handful of other people as well. He was also part of the greatest comeback game in NFL history, and that's a little bit of what you heard in the beginning of the podcast. Him and Steve Tasker thought they were going to go play golf after, and lo and behold, history happened. He's going to talk about that today on the podcast. We talk about his faith journey. We talk about what it was like to be a coach of the Indianapolis Colts and win a Super Bowl. Yes, he was part of the team with Tony Dungy and Peyton Manning and Dallas Clark and some legends on that team. He's going to talk about that today. Such a fun conversation. And here's what's even more interesting is he did student ministry when he was here at Watermark Wesleyan Church. He used to be called Wesleyan Church of Hamburg, and he's going to talk about doing student ministry. And at the end of this episode, we have one of our worship leaders here with us, Darren Weeder. They're good friends. He's going to join me at the end of this episode for the reflection. So, so excited for today's episode. Bjorn is not joining me for this episode today as ministry is picking up here at the church and he is getting married in a few weeks. So That's really exciting. Really excited for what's ahead for Bjorn. But if you're new to our podcast, welcome. Our motto is get it, got it, give it. We're always in every phase of this. Always learning, always teaching, always applying. And we like to say here at the Sweat Room, everybody has a story. It's just a little bit different platform. And we dissect Pete's story today, his faith journey, what he's learned from the game of football, and so much more. And if you want to interact with us, the best way to do that is on social media. You can check us out at Watermark Sports on Facebook and Instagram. Twitter, it's a little bit different. It's at Sweat Room Pod. And I highly recommend each week of each episode that we have, but especially today's episode, is to get pen and paper and jot some notes down. Whether it's a thought, it's a sentence, or it's a whole page. Pete is going to say some fun things with you today, but also some powerful things with you today. But even if you don't, we have a blog. You can check that out at watermarkwesley.com slash blog. All that information will be in the show notes as well below. Well, without further ado, here is my episode with Pete Metzelars. Well, we want to welcome to the Sweat Room, Pete Metzelars. Pete, thanks for joining me today on the Sweat Room Sports and Faith Podcast. Thanks, Noah. I'm glad to be here. Glad to connect a little bit. Yeah, and Western New York again. Yeah, it's great, and we're glad to have you. And you're part of our Buffalo Bills series right now. We're, we've interviewed some some older Buffalo Bills. We've interviewed current Buffalo Bills, and we're just happy to have you alongside. And look at, and he's for our listeners. He's showing <laughs> me his, his cup. It's got Metzlars on it. Sweet. So I got to start out with this question. So in 1982, you were drafted by the Seattle Seahawks. And a few a few seasons later, you find you find out you're traded to the Bills 
For, what was your reaction when that happened? <laughs> well, it, it wasn't a real positive reaction at the time. Uh, <laughs> when I was in Seattle, so that was 82, 83, 84. So the 84 season, we went 12 and 4. Wow. And had lost in the second round of the playoffs. Wow. In 83, we had gone to the AFC championship game. So we met a playoff team, thought we were going to be, you know, continue to kind of build upon that. Yeah. Well, Buffalo in 84 had gone 2 and 14. Oh, man. And so I like to tell people Buffalo at that time was the team you got threatened with. <laughs> I mean, if you don't play better, we're going to send you to Buffalo. Oh, man. And I got, and I got sent to Buffalo. <laughs> so it was like, oh, my gosh. They're the worst team in the league. I don't, you know, uh, you know oh, gosh. So, but then I, I tried putting a positive spin on it. Okay. I mean, you get a chance to go there. And I was a, a, a backup guy, you know, second tight end in Seattle and stuff. So, you know, I can go, I can go to Buffalo, become a starter, prove I can be a starter in the NFL. Yeah. Um, and that's the way I tried approaching it and looking at it. Uh, it didn't work out that way. Uh, you know, that first year I was here, we went two and 14 again. Um, and I started for about half the year and then got benched in the second half of the season and just a lot of stuff was going on. So, you know, actually when I, when I got traded, so here's how it happened. So I, I'm in, I'm in a dorm room in Cheney, Washington, which is on the far Eastern side of Washington. It's about six hours away from Seattle. Wow. And my roommate, our phone rings in our room. This is back before cell phones uh, for all you people who didn't know there you know, weren't cell phones at one time, but <laughs> it was before cell phones. So room on a, our phone in the room wall rings. He picks it up. My roommate picks it up. Bruce Schultz, a, a linebacker. He's like, uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Boom, he hangs up, gets up, and he leaves. <laughs> so I was like, oh, must have been something for him. So I roll over to go back and sleep for a little bit more. About two minutes later, a knock on the door, and my position coach comes in. He says, hey, we just traded you to Buffalo. Man. Here's a phone number. Here's a phone number. Give them a call. They'll work out all the details. Good luck. Oh, and that man. was it. Wow. That was it. So I called my wife. You know, I think I talked to people from Buffalo. And they wanted me to fly right from Buffalo, from Spokane to Buffalo that afternoon. Wow. And I was like, I haven't seen my wife in like five weeks. I just called her to tell her we've been traded. Yeah. She's crying. <laughs> you know, life is crazy. I said, I need to at least fly back to Seattle, see my wife for a little bit, and then I'll take the red eye. I'll take the midnight flight out of Seattle to come back to Buffalo. So, yeah. so when I called my wife, I said, I said, all right, honey. I said, where's the last place in the world you want to go to? <laughs> and and actually, she said Detroit. So oh, that's so a little bit Buffalo better. <laughs> Chicago. So you know, Buffalo's you know had those two beat at least. So yeah, know, I said no. We're, I got I got traded to Buffalo, and it was like, oh gosh, you know. And so wow. you know, so I went home, saw her for a couple hours, jumped on a plane at midnight, and flew to Buffalo, and away we went. Yeah. And obviously I, I assume you don't have the same, those same thoughts about Buffalo. Now, what do you, th when you think of about Buffalo now, what do you think of? Oh, I think of great people, great restaurants. Uh, our team going from two and 14, the first year to four straight Super Bowls. Um, oh, just the, the friendships, the, the relationships of so many people, so many teammates that were all together there for, you know, those, those 10 years, those four years of the Super Bowl, um, you know, it's, it's just all fond memories. 
Uh, mm. The weather stinks, but everything else is great. Uh, great people, great food. And just curious, favorite place in Buffalo to eat? It's kind of changed now since um that's okay i went see i went and i went coach there in uh 2012 i think yeah and uh, you know well okay i gotta give props to elios because that's that's like family dennis <laughs> and you know and little elio and big elio and you know yeah 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 elios we went after every game we went to elios and they and hung out, and they, had, they kept a room separated for us and stuff. And so that's cool, uh, you know. That's but the place I got to go to now is Mulberries. Oh, nice! I don't know if I've been there Mul- yet. I'll have to try it. Oh, well, you haven't been to? Oh, it's it's really really good. Oh yeah, but, you know you well, gotta get. I gotta go to Ted's Hot Dogs. I love Ted. I go straight yeah. to Ted's, and then I gotta get a beef on whack. Um, it used to be Orchard Park Inn had, you know, that's where I went, but you know, there's some other places to be fun whack. And then I got to go to Elio's and I got to go to Mulberry's and you know, you got all the different places you got to hit to yeah. make sure. That's know. awesome. Daniel's was a, Daniel's in Hamburg was a really good place. Okay. Used to go. Yeah. That's more fine. That's fancy kind of stuff, but uh, yeah. yeah. Man, all right, this is good. This is good to, to hear something. <laughs> so kind of like you talked about earlier, Pete, I, I mean, clearly you, you saw your teams progress. You went go from two and 14 to four Super Bowls. And one of the craziest games that ever happened was the greatest comeback. And you were a part of that. What was your memory of that game? Well, it was, we had gotten beat by Houston the week before down in Houston. I think it wow. was 24 to seven. I think something like that. Jim hurt his knee, you know, if we'd have won that game, we would have gotten a bye in the playoffs and had a home field advantage in the in the playoffs, you know, for the throughout the playoffs. And then we lost the game to Houston. They beat us up, hurt Jim. We didn't play very well, you know. But we were like, oh well, we get to, you know, we get to at least go back home. We're playing at home. It'll be different when we play at home. And and we came out and just laid an egg again for throughout <laughs> the first half. And you know, we're down twenty four to three at halftime. Was it no twenty eight to three at halftime? Yeah, twenty-eight to three yes. halftime. It was twenty. So they've outscored us, whatever, whatever that math is, fifty-one to ten over the over the last six quarters, and uh, it was just awful. And uh, but you know, I, Steve Tasker kind of always says that we never said this, but he and I were talking at some point early in the third quarter when it got to be thirty-five to three when they they picked off a pass at our first drive and you know so we're at halftime we're like hey we're gonna get the storm we're gonna do what we're gonna do we're gonna so we go out and we throw an interception in the first series and Bubba McDowell catches it and takes it back for a touchdown this 35 to 3 so it's like oh my gosh you know there's no you just don't come back from 35 to 3 that right. doesn't happen in the NFL plus they're playing really well and we're we're stinking it up Right. So Steve Tasker and I have been talking. We're like, well, hey, we've been to two straight Super Bowls. We've had long seasons. We have had extra extra preseason games. We played all these playoff games. How about next week we go down to Florida and just hang out and for two or three days, four or five days, and just play a bunch of golf and just and we had kind of decided we're gonna go to Florida that next week and go play golf. Wow. Um, so so then the next drive starts and we go down and actually I like to tell people so. I ran kind of a what they call a sail route. It's kind of a corner route. You go straight up, and then you kind of bend it to the sideline or whatever. Yep. And Frank threw the ball to me. Frank Reich was quarterback, and he threw the ball to me. And uh, one of the linebackers, Al Smith, dropped underneath it and jumped up 
and the ball, I swear, it went right through his hands. Wow. And I caught it and gained, it was like a 25, 30 yard gain on the play. And, and then we went on that drive, we went down and scored our, our first touchdown. Um, and I always tell people, I said, if Al Smith catches that ball, it's, it's, it's absolutely is over at that point in time. <laughs> Inter- make an interception, a turnover and stuff, but it goes through his hands. I catch it. We go down. We go down. And so I say I was the catalyst. It started with my catch. The comeback wow. started with my catch on that pass. So we went down and scored. Surprise onside kick. We score again. Uh, you know, then, uh, then they go three and out. We score, you know, now score again. And so now it's whatever, yeah. 35, 24. You know, it's still in the third quarter. It wow. happened so fast. And it was, you know, so when it got to be 35 to three, you could see people just going. Now, the game won the sellout because, you know, we've been to two Super Bowls. People are kind of, they're kind of laissez-faire about it. And, well, we weren't playing very, we weren't playing very good. I'm not going to go to the game. Now, now you talk to people now when there's like, 400,000 people at the game. You know, I was at that game and I was at that game. My mom claims it. She says she was there. (laughs) My mom says that was her first ever football game. Some of our listeners are probably laughing because I mentioned this earlier, but that was her first ever football game. So at 35 to three, there's a ton of people who hit the exits and started leaving the stadium. Wow. Um, And then by the time they got to the car, because it happened so fast, we'd scored three touchdowns. And they start hearing a crowd noise coming from the state. They're like, what in the world's going on? So they were trying to jump over fences to get back into the stadium to come back and see what was going on. That's and uh, I guess Bill Polian at the time and, and, and the other people in the Bills, they, they, they thought it was kind of a dangerous situation. They're like, forget it. Just open the gates up and let them come back in. <laughs> so they opened the gates up, which you're not supposed to do. And all the people came roaring back in and, Wow. And we scored four. So it was, it was 35, 31 before the third quarter was over. Yeah. And, and we went down and scored a touchdown to, to take the lead. Although Frank threw it to Andre up this, up the right-hand seam. And yeah. I was, I was five yards more open up the other side and I wish he could <laughs> throw it to me, but he didn't. So, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, come on, Frank. So anyways, Andre catched the ball. Then they, they, they kicked the field goal to, you know, to, to tie it up late in the game. And then it goes overtime, we get an interception, we go three plays, kick the field goal, and Amazing. the rest is the comeback history or so. So, That's yeah, awesome. I, actually, I like to use that story. Um, and I share that story some in, in, when I'm talking that uh, it, it just related to, to how, how, as Christians, mm. we already know the outcome of the game. We know mm. the final story. We know that we're going to win in the end. We know that we're going to have forever eternity in heaven with God. Mm. So even though you're losing 35 to three in the middle of the third quarter, you can have some peace and go, Hey, it's okay. Cause I know what's good. I know the end. I know mm. what's going to happen. You know? And I said, if you were the person sitting in the stands and you already had seen what was going to happen and it's 35 to three, all those people getting up and leaving, you're going to sit there and go, dudes, you're, you're, you're going to miss a great show. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be great. It's going to be the funnest game, the greatest game you may ever see. Mm. And that's that's what our life was like with Christ. You know, we yeah. may be going, you may face our times. You may go through some difficult things. But in the end, you're going to win. Yeah. And you're going to do some great things. And you're going to do some experience, some some things with with, with the Lord that uh, that are unimaginable, that you could never, couldn't explain to anybody. And mm. so... Believe it, trust it, just keep walking, just keep pressing forward, just keep going. And 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 
God is going to work things out for your good and for his yeah. glory. Oh, wow. That that's such a great illustration. And no, no better way to illustrate that than through the greatest comeback game, ever. <laughs> you know, and what a, what a story to use and, and use it for your platform. Well, well, Pete, one of the things about our podcast is we, we love hearing about people's faith journeys and talking about man, how you came to know Christ. And you, you mentioned a little bit there, but I'd love to know, man, Pete, how did you come to know Christ? I, I, I know just in our talking before this, it wasn't something that happened right away. It, was, it progressed, correct? Yeah, it was kind of a slow progression. I, you know, I, when I got to Seattle, well, I, so you know, not to knock anybody, but I grew up Catholic, so I kind of thought I had it all. You know, it was all it's all done. You know, it's all figured out. You know, you sure. just go to church and you know meet and go you confession every once in a while, and you're good to go, whatever. So, um, you know, and then. You know, that kind of fell away as I went to went to school and got out and we moved out to Seattle and, you know, we were, my wife and I weren't really going to church and stuff, but we had some great Christian men on the team in Seattle. Steve, uh, Steve Largent, Jim Zorn, Charlie Young, Dave Brown, some guys who were just really sold out for the Lord. Um, Steve Largent had one of the greatest lines in the history of Christianity ever. Um the uh, the Seattle Mariners at one point in time they decided they were you know the, the story was they were getting rid of the Christian guys on the team because they were soft. Wow. And uh, so they were kind of letting some guys go or whatever because they you know they were they weren't competitive enough so they weren't tough enough or whatever. And yeah. They asked Steve Largent, so what do you think about what do you think about the Mariners getting Jesus out of the locker room? He says, well, it doesn't surprise me they're getting rid of all their other good players too. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I had some of those guys who were examples and stuff, but, and they would invite us to Bible study and stuff, but it was just kind of, well, you know, kind of held them off at arm's length. Uh, I don't know about that. You know, kind of yeah. give them a, well, maybe we'll try to get there, but we weren't really going to go and stuff. And, you know, um, in 1983, God started, I like to use you know, the story of Jesus talking about the wise and the foolish builder. About building your house on the on the on the sands, and that when the storms of life come, if your house is your foundation is built on the sand, uh, that when the storms come, the foundation is not going to stand. Wow! Um, and so, in '83, I had a younger brother who was like a th- 11, 13 months younger than I was, diagnosed with cancer. Mm. Um, almost a year to the day in October of '84, he, he died from the cancer. Wow. Um, so. And then in the middle of that season, the 84 season, I tore, tore my knee up and missed about 10 weeks of the season. And I had never been hurt any time. I never missed a game of any sort uh, throughout high school or college or anything. And I played both football and basketball all the way through there. So, wow. so then I got hurt, and I can't rely on that. Then, then I got traded. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, the world shook because I got traded and what in the world I thought we we're going to live in Seattle forever and play for the Seahawks forever. And all of a sudden now we're kind of off on our own in, in Buffalo and what in the world's going to happen here. And then I get to Buffalo and like I, I talked about earlier, that the team wasn't very good and we, things weren't going well. And I got benched um, halfway through the season, you know, mm. and also, so then I'm sitting there going, what kind of career are you going to have if you can't play on the worst team in the league? How long is this going to last? But I like to say the the good thing that came out of coming to Buffalo is kind of, we were kind of by ourselves or whatever, made friends with guys like John Kidd and Frank Reich and 
Yeah. And, and, and for, obviously Fred Rains was a huge part of, yeah. uh, of everything and invited us to a Bible study. So we started going to Bible study and, and, and fellowship with people and learn about Christ and how Christ wanted to be involved in our lives and in, in every intimate detail. And God had a plan and he was going to work out his plan and, and, and to, uh, for, for our, for our good and for his glory. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, let's see, 82, 83, 84, that was 85. So we went through the 86 season going to a Bible study and I was still thinking I was kind of okay or whatever. And kind of after that season, we went to a, uh, a conference called pro athletes outreach PAO mm-hmm. um, and, you know, fellowship with a bunch of guys and, heard, you know, we had just great speakers all the time there and, and, you know, just heard the gospel and, you know, it was, so it was May of 1987 that I, you know, finally said, you know, I need to ask Christ into my life, wow. be my Lord and savior to confess my sins, uh, to be clean, to be redeemed by God. Um, and so in May of 87, I asked Christ into my life and, and away we go. Wow. Um, so, so God has been the constant, you know, I went from the, I went from the shifting sands of myself. I'm mm-hmm. six foot eight, 200. Well, I used to be 250 pounds, <laughs> um, you know, and I can handle it. I'm strong. I'm big. I, I'm tough. Yada, 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 you know, but, but through those, um, ground shaking storms of life, uh, the foundation got torn away. Mm. Um, and I really had no foundation to stand on. What do you think that, um, what do you think that draw was? My life, I, what's that? Oh, I'm sorry. What do you think that draw was for you in terms of Christianity? Because what I love about your story is it, it's a progressing, you're progressing in your faith journey. It, it wasn't like, oh, one moment, one moment. It was like, you know, it, it, it's a it's a buildup. And finally, in 87, you finally said yes to Christ. What what was the moment for you where you're like, you know, I got like, I, I give you all of it. And what do you think was different about following Christ versus, you, you know, not following Christ? Um, well, the, the, the difference, let me answer the answer the last one first. The difference is, is the, the, uh, the peace, mm. the overwhelming peace and confidence, um, that God is, it, God has got it. God has got it. God is in control. Mm. Um, you know, yeah. Do I, do I keep working hard? Do I keep pressing forward? Do I keep doing everything I can? Absolutely. But in the end, God's in control mm. yeah. and I believe and I trust in him, you know, and, and, and and, and it's proven out time and time and time again throughout, you know, for the, so that was whatever, 87, however many years ago that yeah. was, 34 years ago, 35 years ago or whatever, that, that, you know, God has been so faithful. And, and, and that was a story of, you know, when you look at the Bible and you look through the Old Testament and you keep saying God, God keeps telling the Israelites, hey, remember, 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 remember. And, and that's true in everybody's life, you know, is, is, Hey, remember what God did. Remember how God answered this prayer. Remember when God showed up here. Remember when God opened this door here. Remember when God, you know, in, in our, in our worldview, we, we tend to forget all those things and think that, Oh my gosh, this thing, the things that happened right now is the worst thing ever in the world. And nothing's ever going to come good. Out, good could ever come out of it. And, and it's horrible. And, you know, and we kind of just, wallow in our, in our own self-pity at mm-hmm. times. Uh, and God keeps saying, Hey, remember what I've done and remember what I'm going to do. And so that, that's the, the difference that comes from is the peace and, and, and the comfort to know that, you know, I'm standing on a solid rock in Jesus Christ. No. 
not in, not in shifting sands of my own self or whatever. And so it was just that, you know, I, I guess growing up, going to church and stuff that I kind of thought I had, I had it figured out and I had a foundation and stuff. And it just took me some time to go, I, I need to go deeper with this. Mm-hmm. And I need to let God have control. And it's not about me in control. Wow, that's powerful. And I just love asking that question because I'm sure there's some of our listeners who, you know, I'm sure they're devout Christians, but I'm sure there's some others who are like, man, is this thing legit? Is this real? Cause I know, I know some, even some athletes will share their story, but sometimes there's not depth. And I think what you just did is provided depth to why following Christ is, is authentic and real. So I, I appreciate it. Well, so thank you for sharing that. Um, uh, my pleasure. That has been awesome to me, you know, so. Yeah, no. And he keeps opening doors and, keeps, you know, you know, there's a lot of times where things happen that maybe they're not what you want to happen. Right. But, but through the history, you know, okay, God, uh, all right, you got it. And I'm just going to keep going then. Right. And you know, I'm really disappointed that that didn't happen. I really wanted it to happen, but. You know, whatever it is you got in store, let's keep rolling. Let's keep going. Right. And and I think more than ever, our culture is craving a authenticity and a reason to say, you know what, God, I'm going to follow you. And I think your story, you know, helps, helps with that because I think it just shows that man, following Christ, you're going to have peace and you're going to realize you're not in control. God's in control. And it's so, so helpful. So that's, so that's awesome. So one of the things I know about you, about, about you as well, Pete, is you helped out with our church here for a while. And at the time, our church is called Watermark Wesleyan Church, but it used to be called Hamburg Wesleyan Church. Um, but what, what's, what's great is you got to help out with some of the student ministry. And one of the guys that we'll have at the end of this episode is Darren Weeder. And you guys have become good friends over the time. And he's one of our worship guys, but he was he did youth ministry for a while. So for, tell us, what was it like? Long. Yeah, he did youth we, ministry for a while. I don't even know. I don't even know where the original, the original church was. Kind of down somewhere in Hamburg. Yeah. And Darren and Rhonda Weeder lived. Darren, his wife Rhonda, they lived like in the parsonage right next to the church. Wow. And so we'd hang out there, and they, you know the church. I don't even, and then we built what is what I don't even know what you guys call it now, the old sanctuary. Yeah. Yeah, that that was that was like big time when we moved into that. When we wow. Did that. Yeah, I mean, it, now you guys have, you guys have exploded since then. It's like, yeah, you know, it's crazy. <laughs> I'm sure it's very different. Well, what was it like doing <laughs> student ministry with Darren alone? But like, what was it like doing ministry during oh, being we at had a Buffalo Bill? Yeah, we had a, well, we did. You know, that was that was just kind of on the side and stuff. But yeah, we had a blast doing student ministry and doing stuff and. We did stuff with Kingdom Bound and going to Darien Lake and, um, you know, just Wednesday nights and hanging out and, you know, trying to encourage young men. And, um, you know, so there's, it's fun to kind of keep, you know, we're still kind of on Facebook and stuff. You can kind of keep up with some of, with some of the guys and what sure. they're doing and stuff. And still, and Darren and Ron to keep us updated on who's doing what and whatever. So here's the story. Okay. So, <laughs> so Kingdom Bound one year. It's the middle of training camp. So I'm, I'm in, you know, I'm in training camp. And uh, what happened? Did I? No, they were gone. Anyway, so anyway, so anyway, so they're out camping out. At, they're at, they're camping out at Kingdom Bound. Sure. You know, so, so I was, I had a night off. So I was like, I'll go, I'll go out and hang out with them. So I had a Bronco back then, low four Broncos. Nice. So I take, I took the back seat out of it. 
and a, fit, a queen size mattress fit in it perfectly. <laughs> so I put a queen size mattress in the back of my Bronco and drove out. And my wife was there camping out. And she's got like three or four girls in her tent or whatever. And I was like, you know, honey, you want to come up and sleep with me in the truck? <laughs> she's like, no, you should come sleep with me in the tent. And I'm like, there's no way I'm sleeping in the tent. So <laughs> I'm in the truck sleeping. She's in the tent sleeping with all the girls. And they're, because there's a monsoon that night. It must have been three or four inches of rain. They've got water running right through their tent. All the sleeping bags are so we ended up piling. I think we had a bus then. So everybody piled all their stuff back onto the bus because everybody was just soaked. All their clothes were soaked. The sleeping bags oh, were soaked. Man. We came back to the church and dry started getting stuff. We slept at the church for, for a night or two. It was just trying to get everything dried out and stuff. So you know. And then there's one year, uh Greg McLean was the head pastor yeah. at, at Hamburg Wesleyan and uh, his daughter, Megan, I don't know if he got mad at me about this, but we had like the, the food thing at kingdom bound. We had fly the, the old school fly. Uh, what is it? Fly paper. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hanging yeah. down or whatever. Flies or whatever. So I, I offered her 10 bucks if she would eat one of the flies, <laughs> which, which, which she took me up on and she's like dropping on her tongue and, and swallow the, the fly and so <laughs> so i gave her i gave her i paid her, you know my wife's like you can't do that that's the pastor's daughter i was like she, she says she can do it like i paid her so it's, it's okay that's hilarious so, oh that's so funny i love you yeah, fun yeah i love hearing stories like that and it's fun to hear just you know i i think that's unique that you're willing to do you know you know, help out with student ministry and you're in the NFL. You don't hear that too much, you know? And, and well, we were just kind of, we're just kind of there, you know, we're, we're just regular Joes. Right. Yeah, I know. But I, I think that's still just really cool. So, well, after your career in Buffalo, I, I'd love to ask you to on a different note, and I was going to ask you earlier, but I want to progress it because you end up being a coach. So one of the things yeah. I, and you end up going to Indianapolis but prior before that, you you were a part of the four Super Bowls, and eventually you go to Indianapolis, and you were with Coach Dungey, and you finally get the monkey off your back. But I gotta ask, I gotta ask, I gotta ask the four Super Bowls that that question. What it, what do you remember from those four Super Bowls? I know that's probably a hard thing to think about. Even the four falls of Buffalo. How would you describe those four consecutive Super Bowls? Oh, it was, uh, you know, <laughs> my first thoughts, I'm trying to figure out how to describe it, but the came to me, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Oh man. I can't imagine. <laughs> you know, cause it was like, you know, Hey, we're going back. We're going to win this. And really the first Super Bowl um, was really the most disappointing. Cause we, I think we were the better team. We beat the Giants in like week thirteen in in New York, uh -huh. um, and uh, and I think that probably helped them get ready for us um, in the, in the Super Bowl that year because they had yeah. kind of experienced our offense and understood what it was and and prepared for it and the same with our defense and so um, I think they they took advantage and, and if we had not played them during the regular season I think we would have smoked them. Wow, um, we were a better team, but they controlled the ball. They made made just they just made a couple of plays where 
we just couldn't make the plays. And so that was the most disappointing. And then obviously we get the kick at the end, you know, the chance to win it and it doesn't go through. And uh, so, um, got normal. you know, the, the second one, the second one, Washington was playing awesome that year. They were fabulous. They were really, really good. There's only, who was their quarterback? Oh gosh, I'm just drawing a blank now. There was only a year he ever played good, but that year he was <laughs> lighting it up and they were on fire. Wow. And, uh, so it was like, we got to play great to have a chance to beat these guys. And we didn't, we had turned them all over and, you know, so it's like, okay, that was done. So the next one, we come back, that was the comeback year. Yeah. Go down Miami, beat Miami in the AFC championship game. We're like, okay, good. We're getting, you know, this is destiny this year. <laughs> and Dallas was a new team and they were young and kind of cocky and all these young guys. And they, you know, they just, they'd been, they'd been two and 14, not very many years prior to that. So we're like, hey, we, we're going to smoke these, you know. And then I think we had eight turnovers in that game uh, or whatever and just blew it up and stuff. So, oh, man. Uh, you know, and then it's like at least most of them, the, the, I guess, you know, the first Super Bowl ended on the last play of the game. But the other two, Washington and, and, and that second Dallas game, it was, it was over by the beginning of the fourth quarter. It was kind of like, oh. Yeah. So you can he had he had time to process the disappointment and the and, and the the frustration. You know, and then the fourth one, we were leading at halftime. They come out and begin the second half, the Thurman fumbles, guy picks it up, runs in for a touchdown, and just kind of the air out of the whole you know, the, the air out went out of us. And uh, um and so it was just just so but it was we were so resilient to keep coming back. And, and it, was, it was in our makeup that, hey, well, we don't care. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. We, we believed in ourselves. We believed in each other. Um, and uh, and we trusted one another uh, that each guy was going to do their job and do it well. And, and there's a whole group, group of guys who were there for kind of all four of them. And right. um, it's just disappointing that we, for ourselves and for the city of Buffalo, never got a chance to, to win one of those things and bring a championship back to Buffalo. Ah, I know. And you guys were all, I, there was always hope. And the way that my mom describes those years is just a lot of, a lot of heartbreak, but it just, it was so cool. Even watching going through, I'm sure it's even hard to watch four falls of Buffalo and just seeing. Yeah. I watched, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just, yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of history now. And you actually you kind of take a little pride in it that you know, I was glad. Um, was it two years ago? New England had a chance to go to four straight Super Bowls. Yeah. And they got beat. And it was like, good, thank goodness. Now, you know, I don't know that anybody will ever go to four yeah. straight Super Bowls. So. Especially because yeah. it's New England. Like, I guess Kansas City's got two in a row right now. So, well, t- yeah, that's true. There are two in a row. And yeah, I can't yeah. believe in Tampa one last so year. The Bills got to knock them off. So, yeah. Like, so they don't get four. Yeah. Well, you end so, up. So, Pete, one of the things that you end up, you have, you end up in Indianapolis. First off, how'd you end up with the Colts, and why did you want to pick up coaching? Well, I, when I got, when I got out of playing, got done playing '97 was my last year playing. So I, we were already living here in Charlotte, um, and I started um, coaching at at a high school. Coach, I coached my son. As offensive coordinator. So I started coaching at Charlotte Christian school where he was going to school. Um, and then I was also helping and do, actually we started the youth group at our church here in town that we had, we started going to in 90, let's see, in like the spring of 96 when we started going to the church. Um, 
So we got the youth, started getting the youth group going and started getting started. It was kind of like, okay, do I want to do coaching or youth group, coaching youth group? And it kind of, you know, as, as I went over about two years of doing it, I kind of got to, I was like, I, I really feel like I want to go, I want to coach. And I want to coach yeah. at a higher level than high school level. Um, hmm. And so I started pursuing it and some doors opened up and, um, you know, the offensive line coach in, uh, in Indianapolis, it was my first coach in Seattle. Um, and wow. then the office coordinator in Indianapolis was the office coordinator. Uh, my one year in Detroit, one of my years in Detroit. So there were some ties there and knew some of those guys. And obviously Bill Polian was there and, you know, all, all, our, all our history in, in, uh, in Buffalo and stuff. So, um, that kind of opened the door. Do a whole separate podcast of just talking about that <laughs> alone. Just like your time, I, you learn, you've seen, and I'm sure have learned so much. Just just your time in the NFL, coaching and and as a player. Yeah, like you it, played with some. It was a great run. It was a lot of fun. A lot of frustration. Yeah, and a lot of lot of lot of highs, a lot of lows, uh, a lot of yeah. Lows. But it's it it was it, I you know I enjoyed every minute of it. Yeah. So you were with Indianapolis for eight seasons. What was that moment like when you finally got, when you guys won? It was awesome. (laughs) So so I was, I was up and we were down, it was in Miami. Um, We were playing. It was the only Super Bowl where it's rained the whole game. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Prince sang purple rain in the rain. My kids said it was awesome. <laughs> I didn't do that at halftime. So, so about halfway through the fourth quarter, I was up in the in the box. So I was helping communicate down on the sideline with the offensive of line. I was assistant offensive of line coach. So I was talking with Howard Mudd, our offensive of line coach, all the time, regarding trying to pick up information, relay stuff to him, and so on and so forth. So I had binoculars. And I'm looking down on the field, and I look up and look at the scoreboard. And it was twenty. What was it? Twenty nine to sixteen or whatever. And there's about seven minutes to go. And I was like, Oh my gosh, we're going to win this thing. And I was like, Oh, don't wow. even think about it. Don't even, no, don't even, don't, you know, so bam. I was like, just forget about it. Don't even say a word. Don't, don't, you know, get erase <laughs> that out of your memory. Don't even, don't even, don't even think about it. So, so the game ends, like some people come up, grab us out of the, they take us straight down onto the field. So we go down on the field to celebrate and stuff. And, uh, so I get down on the field and my two sons, my son, my two sons, their wives and my wife are sitting like they're at the very top row of the lower bowl there in Miami. So the people yeah. behind them are, are, are undercover. They're in the boxes. So they're not getting rained on, but they're getting drenched. So, so they're soaking wet, but my two <laughs> sons come down, they come down to the edge of the field and they jump down on the field with me. And so wow. the best part of the whole thing it was the three of us turn around and look up at my wife who's up there crying. And we're like, we finally did it. The three of us all celebrate together that we finally wow. won the Super Bowl. Cause they had been, the, the, you know, my youngest one wasn't really into all the, the Super Bowls, but my older son um, had a teammate named Jim Richard, who was our office, one of our guards on the team. He, Jim, his, his son and my son, got into a fight at, I think, the third Super Bowl in the stands because it's your dad's fault we're losing. No, it's your dad's fault we're losing. And, and, you know, so wow. they, they went through all the trauma of all that stuff and, you know, losing the yeah. Super Bowls. So to finally win one was, uh, 
it was almost undescribable. But that that moment of looking up to my wife and she's up there going like, yes, you know, and my <laughs> daughter and my two sons down in the field with me. And it was that was awesome. Just awesome. Uh, that's incredible. I, I'm sure there was probably so many different emotions going through your head when that happened. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm sure you, you know, you're thinking the four Super Bowls, you're finally like, I'm here. We finally, like, finally world. Finally like to achieve what we're so close to all those years in Buffalo, you know, that you, wow. know, you finally get to yeah. that, you know, that, that, that ultimate moment where you, you know, cause every, every, every team, all 32 teams at the beginning of the year, they say we want to win the Super Bowl. And a lot yeah. of them have a chance to, if things fall right for them and everything else. And, and, you know, we got that close for four years in a row in Buffalo to, to, you know, setting a goal and achieving the goal that you had set. And we kept, we were falling wow. short all four of those times. And so this was the one time where we, we set that goal at the beginning of the year, we worked and persevered and overcame a bunch of stuff. And, and finally, you know, achieved, you know, that, that, that goal that we had set at the beginning of the year. And it was it was wow. a fabulous feeling. Of course, then three that's later, awesome. Then three years later, we go there, we lose to the Saints, and so once again, we kind of, <laughs> an outside like, oh. kick. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I've been that here, done wild. that. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you got one. You got one, and well, that's that's all that matters. And that's all. That's you, awesome. There's so no I, question. I, I gotta ask a follow up question too, and and I want to honor your time. And as we're we're getting, we're drawing to a close. Um, but man, you have, you worked with a pretty legendary coach in Tony Dungy. Uh, what was it like being under coach Dungy and see, and Peyton was the quarterback and Dallas, Dallas Clark. I mean, he had, he had, he was the cool guy with, with no gloves. Like he was rocking. <laughs> I mean, like, what was it like, like coaching him and, and being part of that team? It was, we had a great team, you know, and, um, Tony was the Peyton, Peyton was the leader, you know, kind of the vocal leader, the pushing everybody and stuff. But Tony was the 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 the, the authority over it all and with the leadership of everything. And now he was he's a different type of, you know, he's he's very similar to um, Marv Levy, but Tony's even quieter than Marv, if you could even imagine that. Marv didn't say a whole lot, but you know, but he did. Um, but Tony was just sure. steady and he, he set a course and he he said he, he he cast a vision. Hey, this is what we're going to be, and this is how we're going to do it, and this is this is how we're going to achieve it, and these are the things we're going to do in order to achieve the goals that we we set up for, and um, and and he stuck to it, and he believed in it completely. He wasn't going to change any, you know. Tony is Tony is very set in his ways. It's like, well, you know, right. if our practice on Wednesday is going to be two hours and ten minutes, then you know. And the players want to, well, yeah, but we got to practice two hours. Ten, you know, it's, we got to get all these reps. And stuff. So he was just, just steady, 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 steady. And he's such a man of faith, um, you know, just believing, you know, and just keep walking and just keep pressing forward. And, uh, and, you know, things are going to, things are going to work out and things are going to work out well. And, and finally did win in that Super Bowl. It was, uh, it was a unbelievable feeling, you know, and, and Peyton, Peyton is, he was great. You know, it's, it's unbelievable to watch him work. He, he, he could, he could process more information than anybody in the world you could ever imagine. Um, and, and, yeah. and do it in, in ways that were, were phenomenal. Um, and so, yeah. so watch him operate and, you know, with, 
Reggie Wayne and Dallas and Marvin Harrison and uh, Edger James and Joseph Adai and, you know, the guys up front who worked in the offensive line with Jeff Saturday and those guys. It was just a great group. And our offense was, we were really, really good offensively. Um, and uh, it was fun to watch it. And, you know, Peyton was the, the guy who's really making everything go. Um, it was, you know, he's, he's, he's a piece, he's a, he, he'll wear you out during the week. You know, because he, you know, he wants to know everything. He wants to see everything. Wants to study everything. He wants to study every game of every every time every game that these team has played. Anytime he's played against the, the defense coordinator, he wants somebody to go look at it. So he can He would keep three or four guys busy all week long. Give me information. Wow. Go look at this film. Give me. Tell me about this. Tell me about that. Um, but you loved him on game day because you knew he's going to light it up and we're going to win a bunch of games. Wow. It, practices must have been crazy. Like, it, yeah, I, he, 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 oh, he's demanding. He was demanding all the time. He demanded everybody do things <laughs> right. He demanded, well, I don't want to be real mean about this, but have you ever seen the, the, uh, the uh, uh, United Way commercial he did on Saturday Night Live? Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. It's hilarious. It's kind of crazy. Like with the kids? With the kids. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, yeah, I have seen it. He's so, the kids. Yeah, so my wife and I, we were actually on vacation in Mexico. When it came, we're like, oh, let's watch it. Debate sunset at night. Let's watch this. And I am on the floor rolling when that thing is playing. Because, <laughs> because like, when he beat the kid in the back of the head, he did that once He did that once to Cadre Ishmael, a wide receiver. Oh, Rocket is... He, Connor Israel was running down around and Peyton hit him back in the head. And he's like, look when you're over. What are you doing? Or when he told the kid <laughs> to go sit in the toilet, get out of here, go sit in the toilet. He would kick guys out of, he, like the running back coach would rotate running backs in and he'd be like, what are you doing here? Get, no, get out of here. Edge, get in here. Edge, get in here, take this. <laughs> and so all the, like the things that happened in the, in the, in the, in the commercial that were, you know, like, oh my gosh, Peyton Manning. So me, it was like, I've seen him do that stuff. It's for real. And so which made it, it was to me, I was dying because it was like there was some there's some truth to the comedy of, uh, yeah. of this United Way commercial. And it was it was killing me. Uh that's hilarious. Yeah, Pete, what 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 is life like for you now? What what is life for Pete Metzlars now? Well, well, I, uh, I work over at Charlotte Christian School. I'm kind of in the maintenance department. I go over there every day and hang out and do whatever kind of needs cool. to be done for a little bit. Um, you know, get close to finishing, stopping doing that, you know, but the main reason I'm there is that, well, number one is to coach football. So I'm, I'm the offense coordinator on the football team. Um, we've won cool. four straight state championships. So. Wow. So we've congratulations. So I've, I've, every year I've been offense coordinator, we won a state championship. Uh, wow. you know, we're, yeah. So we've been, we've been pretty good. We've had some really good players and then we, you know, piece some things together and achieved a bunch of stuff that, you know, it, it, you know, I think we went hand in hand with our coaching and, and the players and stuff. So, and then I've got three grandkids who go to school at the school. So they're 11 and nine wow. and seven. So I get to see them every day and hang out with them and have lunch with them. You That's know, cool. The COVID things kind of get made a mess of things. Cause you know, I can't really like, I used to always grab them and go sit and have lunch with them, but I can't really do that. You kind of, kind of, keep everybody separated a little bit, you know, it's kind of winding down. Hopefully at least down here it is. But, uh, so, uh, you know, I get to see my grandkids every day and, 
my wife and I are hanging out and she's a nurse midwife delivering babies, you know, three oh, or four wow, days a week cool. and stuff. And so, um, you know, life is good and, you know, we need to see where we go in the next, hopefully 10, 15, 20 years. Well, that's awesome. Well, that, that's so cool to hear. And I'm glad that you guys are killing it with your high school football team. That's awesome. Oh, it's been fun. So it's keep it really up. Been fun, yeah, so. that, that is so fun. So <laughs> speaking of football, what are your expectations for the Bills this season? Well, you know, the expectations are going to be off the charts, you know. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, they got most of their guys back from last year. So um, they, I think they even... You know, to go thirteen and three last year was a little bit of a surprise, but they were they 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 executed, they played well, they played you know really well. They, you know, um, getting uh, gosh, what's the guy's name? I'm, I'm the wide receiver uh, from Minnesota, uh, Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs was unbelievable. Um, he and Josh yeah. Allen just connected, and and Josh Allen, you know, he went from a you know that was always a question mark. Is even coming out of college, it's like he's like a fifty five percent passer. You know, can he, mm-hmm. can he pick that up? Can he get better at it and stuff? And so he's done a great job. The coaches have done a great job because he went from, I think, 53 his first year to 56 or 58 his second year. And then he's almost a 70% completion percentage last year. Um, and that's the, wow. the, the good quarterbacks, the great quarterbacks in the league. You got to be somewhere around 70% completion percentage. And he did it last year. Right. And that's hard to do playing in Buffalo. Because you're going to get games where it's rainy. You're totally. going to get games where it's windy. You're going to get games where, you know, the snow, you know, you're going to play in bad weather. And to be able to still, you know, yeah, yeah, just still be able to complete 70% of your balls uh, playing in that kind of weather, it's it's a phenomenal achievement. So, you know, hopefully they continue to, you know, it's, there's always that thing of complacency. Do you get complacent at all? Hopefully they don't because they lost in the championship game and they, you know, they want to get to a Super Bowl and go win a Super Bowl. Um, and they, they're yeah. all hungry to do that. And hopefully they continue to do that. So, uh, you know, I, I, expect, I expect them to be really good. I think Miami's going to be better. Um, and so they're, they're wow. gonna, I think you're going to be a challenge with Miami, you know, so. In New England, I don't know what that's bold. I, be, Man, I like that. Is that I like to take that's a that most Bills fans would not agree. I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be surprised to see that Mac Jones kid starting for New England, yeah, at some point in time during the season. So, you know, they'll be a little bit better. And so, but I think the, the Bills should, you know, the expectation is they win their division, get a, get a couple of home games in the playoffs, and yeah, and have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Wow. You know, yeah. they got to get some guys who can, and they drafted, I think their first two draft picks were defense alignment. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they got to get some guys who can rush the quarterback and put pressure on a quarterback. Yeah. You know, the, when you when you give uh, Mahomes the time he had against them, you yeah. know, you're going to get hurt and stuff. And so, yeah. you saw what, you know, it helped that Mahomes' offensive line was in, <laughs> was in tatters in the Super Bowl. Right. And so, you know, Tampa Bay got to him and beat him up and hit him and chased him all over the place and stuff and right. made it really hard for him to operate. Um, so, you know, they're going to have a better offensive line this year other than the one that they played with in the Super Bowl. So yeah. the Bills got to be better to be able to get pressure on that guy without having to send blitzes and stuff. And so, yeah. which is why they went and drafted two, you know, drafted two D linemen. They drafted the D lineman last year in the first round. And, you know, so right. those, 
kind of those three guys along with Jerry Hughes and some of those other guys kind of got to, you know, got to be forces in, in, in the game and forces throughout the year. Sure. And I love the boldness. That. I love Good the boldness things, that pick though. That's it's so bold <laughs> with Miami. <laughs> well, yeah. I just say Miami's going to be better. I'm not saying Miami. I think the bills are going to beat them. All right. I like be better. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's good. Yeah, I'm yeah, not, you know, I hate Miami. Miami was a team. We love to beat Miami. You know, when I was, they were the, they were the other, they were really good, but they could never get past us. Yeah. In the playoff. We beat, I think three years out of the four in the playoffs. Right. And Dan um, Marino you know, was there, you know? Yeah. We used to call, we used to call, it was Joe Robbie stadium back then. But we used to, we used to call it rich stadium South. Wow. We go down there and win all the time down there, and, and, <laughs> and, and now it's whatever Sun Life. I don't even know what the name of the stadium yeah. is anymore. So, oh, but man. you know, it used to be Joe Rock. You know, we call it uh, Buffalo. You know, Rich Stadium South. Sure, because yeah. we won so many games down there. Well, that's hilarious. Well, Pete, thanks so much for joining me today. And as we close out, do you just have any final remarks, or maybe even just words of encouragement for our listeners today? Just, you know, I, I guess I go back and, and it's kind of, I, I think I hopefully I've modeled that to my kids and modeled that throughout my life. It's just, um, is, you know, no matter what you're going through, no matter how you're doing it, um, just keep persevering, keep pressing on, keep going, keep pushing forward, keep doing everything you can do, you know, and, and then leave the rest in God's hands. Amen. You know, and, and and like I said, like I said at the earlier, the, you know, the God God's admonition phew, to to the Israelites throughout the Old Testament is remember, 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 mm. remember what God's done for you already. Trust and believe in that. Wow, so good. Well, Pete, thank you so much. It was an honor to have you on. Such a fun conversation. Thank you, man. It's your goodness, man. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah, this was great. So thanks again, Pete. No, my pleasure. Thank you. And tell Darren I said hello. I will. Well, thanks, Pete, for joining me today. And today for the reflection, I have the worship extravaganza. Worship extravaganza. <laughs> the worship extravaganza <laughs> leader, Darren Weeder, with me today. The man, the myth, the legend. The man, family. the myth, the legend. When I was talking with Pete Metzlars, <laughs> that's that's how I was using your name in the evening. Nice, so nice. This is great. Well, what did you think of today's podcast with Pete? It was awesome. It's so good to hear him. And I... Uh, share his heart i mean which he has just such a huge heart and just his faith is uh, is incredible and he's used his platform over the years when he was a, a pro player and he's continued to be a, a phenomenal witness and example yeah throughout the years even as an old man now <laughs> and i'm glad that he has a ring now i didn't know oh yeah i didn't know that going in and i'm like oh my gosh he was a coach for the indianapolis yes Colts, and he finally got the monkey oh off yeah his back. yeah yeah so. no no kidding yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's so awesome well tell me a little of your relationship how do you and pete really know each other we um fred rains who was the uh, try to keep this short who was the chaplain for the bills way back in the day asked me to come in and uh, lead some christmas carols at the uh uh, the Bill's uh, Christmas party. Cool. So it was at Pete and Barb's house, and I went there and uh, did some Christmas carols. And my wife and I hit it off right away with uh, with Pete and Barb, and kind of the rest is, is the rest history. Is they history. Uh, quickly, if I if I remember right, they quickly jumped in and and got involved with the uh, student ministry. Yeah. Back in the what would that have been? The late '80s, early '90s when yeah. I was youth pastor here. Um, Pete led a, a 
a Bible study, kind of small group with, um, uh, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting his name. John Kidd. John, John Kidd, Kidd, he was the punter. And Pete led a, a guy's Bible study. And my wow. wife and Pete's um, uh, wife, Barb, led a ladies' Bible study. Wow. And they were active um, uh, in our, you know, midweek meetings also. So. Sure. What was one of your favorite memories doing student ministry together? One of my favorite minutes, serious or whatever. <laughs> oh, whatever. No, it doesn't have to be serious. It can be fun. He went on a retreat with us one time, and these the kids are typical squirrely kids, and they just would not stay in their rooms. So he and I, it was a great, it was a gorgeous, unusually warm fall night, and he and I went and laid our sleeping bags across the. Uh, porch in front of the door so the kids couldn't get out. <laughs> well, in the morning, we, we wake up and we realize there's this, like, toothpaste all over Pete's sleeping bag. <laughs> so I, I asked one of the kids, I said, what's up with this toothpaste? He's all weird. We're dropping the toothpaste out. We're trying to, you know, get it in his ear. And I said, you guys, if you woke him up and he got angry... What were you going to do? He was like as big as three of you guys, and they just kind of, oh, oh, I don't know. <laughs> well, because he's no small guy. He's six he's a, eight. He's a large man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's hilarious. But, you know, as I think of them, I, it's, it's maybe not a, a specific, I mean, that was a goofy thing, but not a specific thing, but just so many occasions where... Um, as he was playing, you know, in the glory days back in the, with uh, with the Bills back there, being a football player and and he and his wife being involved with the ministry and then having a uh, they had a couple sons, so just for the, the 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 guys and the girls to be able to see someone who is up on a you know held up to a high you know idolized if you want to right, call it that. Yeah. For them to see he's just an ordinary guy and a great marriage and, you know, a father. Mm. Um, but just to be able to see someone that was real and not caught up in all of the, all of the hype and all of the money um, mm. and all of the stuff that uh, many of the pro athletes get dragged down with. So for them just to see a guy who was living out his faith and, uh, and being a good dad and a, and a good husband was, yeah. was huge. I think him just sharing life. Was, it was incredible. Mm. That's awesome. Well, thanks for joining me in the reflection today. And I uh, love hearing that. And I, I, it's always fun. It's been fun working with you, too, here at Watermark. And I just wanted to bring you on today. Just give some of that perspective. Cause, oh, cool. Yeah. I, I mean, because how be long have you been with Watermark Wesleyan Church now? Holy cow. This 33 years. Wow. I know I'm a, I'm a lot. I sound a lot younger than I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's amazing. Well, Darren, thanks for joining me today. You bet you know. Thanks for listening to the Sweat Room Sports and Faith Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. If you'd like to stay connected with us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Watermark Sports, on Twitter at Sweat Room Pod, and our new blog at watermarkwesleyan.com slash blog. Until next time, get it, got it, and give it. Thanks for listening to The Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church. 